0: You know, um, I could not teach, I could not preach without the gift of worship. We could not live without worship. Worship is a gift from God to us where we get a chance to just sing our praises, to talk to him, to adore him, and it is absolutely beautiful. So I am thankful for that this morning. I hope you are too. That it's not, not something that we take lightly that we get to praise our Father in heaven. Because of what Jesus did at the cross that gives us full access to sit at his lap and just relish in his mercy and his grace. Amen? Amen. This morning we're going to continue to go through uh, Matthew 13. Uh, ver- this morning we're going to be in verses 1 through 23 as we continue to go through this gospel. So we're going to read, pray, and then we're going to break it down. Matthew 13 verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large, large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Verse 6, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Verse 10, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even that he has will be taken from him. Verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their eyes, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because you see, and your ears, because they hear. For I tell you the truth— Many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but did not see, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Verse 18, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes of the word, he quickly falls away. Verse 22. Then the one who received the seed that fell among the thorn is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. And then the last verse, verse 23. But the one who received the seed that fell on the good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Let us pray. Father God, we just come to you in Jesus' name, the name above all names. Father Lord God, have your way in us today. Equip your bride. Would we listen to this teaching according to your power, but also according to your spirit. For we cannot understand it without you, Holy Spirit. Do your work in us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is a long passage, 20, 23 verses, and we're going to tackle it all today because it, it's all together. Um, so what I encourage you, because we've only got so much time today, really study this on your own as well, okay? because this is important. This really lets us see evangelism. Who loves evangelism? Telling people about Jesus. We all should raise our hand, even if we don't want to. Say, I want to love evangelism, okay? We want to see people come to Christ. That is the the purpose of of the church. So the first thing, after Jesus gives this parable, his his apostles ask, why, why do you speak this way, Jesus? Why do you why do you speak in a way that we don't get it? And Jesus explains to them, and the Gospel of Matthew wants you to see this. Jesus is fulfilling prophecy again. And he explains to them: this is what Isaiah said. This is what will happen. This is what will happen to people. They will be hearing, but not hear. They'll be able to see, but they won't see. Why? Because Jesus is there plain as day, and he's fulfilling Scripture. And they, friends, they know Scripture way better than we do. They've got it memorized, especially the leaders of the church at that time. They know it. And actually, like we, we, when we look at the Pharisees, we understand they actually do love, They do love God. They want to love God. But there's a hardening of the heart that has come over them. Matthew, through the Holy Spirit, wants the reader to see this and go, again, here's proof that Jesus is the Messiah. You look at the Jewish faith, you look at Israel, and everything in the Old Testament, they've got got the law, they've got this relationship with God, but then in that faith, there's like, well, now what? And everything is, well, when the Messiah gets here, he'll explain it all to us. When the Messiah gets here, He'll show us the way. And all throughout the Old Testament, if you really read it, everything's about Jesus. And Jesus is fulfilling the word, and this is one of those prophecies fulfilled. And that's why Jesus speaks in parables. Proverbs 4.23 tells us, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Why did Jesus speak in parables? It's to fulfill scripture but also something else going on. He explains, they've got calloused hearts. They've closed their ears. They've closed their eyes. It's why we will talk often about our hearts that can get hardened. From relationships to career choices, how crazy is it how easily we can be misled, right? Right? You can't always trust your heart. If it was up to my heart, I would have a cheeseburger and Andy's custard every single day, which would not be good for my lifespan or my budget. Thankfully, I have a wife who says no to me and my children. I'm like, can we have red meat? Can we have dessert? Literally every meal. And she's like, honey, no. It will kill you. No. No right? We just can't really trust our hearts at times, and Scripture tells us that. Like, you think you know what's right, but you don't. I remember years ago, uh, getting ready to move from Washington State to Evangel University, and I was waiting for my, my, um, my letter of acceptance, and my good buddy who goes to church here, Aaron Gerla, he said, let me open it for you. And he says, well, they denied you. They denied you. And I'm like, oh, man. And there was a map, and I had a dart, and I said, well, I'm going to find out my next destination, and wherever that dart lands, that's where I'm going to go. And it just, I can't remember where it went. And Aaron's like, dude, I'm just joking. I am just kidding. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't even want to go. Right? We can just be really in our choices, our hearts. Even in things that are as plain to see as God. Closed hearts and eyes. They have closed their eyes. He says, For this people's heart, they've become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, in turn, and I would heal them. A broken and contrite heart, God will not deny. Understand this when we look at the things of God, and we look at leadership, and we look at giftings, and we look at who comes to Jesus, God is not impressed by our intellect or what we can do. We all need the Holy Spirit and that is something that anyone that is religious, there's good religion, there's bad religion, but something that we can be tempted with is look at us, look what I have to provide rather than this is a move of God. With repentance or coming to the Lord or dealing with an addiction, we need people to give us truth, we need truth. However, I cannot remember a time where someone talked me into turning to God. I cannot remember a time. But I do remember many times when my heart just broke and then my eyes were open. Amen? When we talk to people about God, let's remember that. When we talk to people about sin, truth matters, absolutely, but I've never been talked out of sin. Never been talked out of it. But when truth was given and the Holy Spirit was moving, my heart broke, and now I was no longer blind to it. So the first seed that Jesus talks about, he's, okay, you guys are my disciples, let me explain what this parable means. So he talks about the first seed, and this is really important for us as we tell people about Jesus, as we see moves of God. The first seed that fell on the path, this is verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So what is Jesus talking about here? This is the people that, you know, when you really see and your eyes have been opened and you see the truth of God, Right, from the heavens to the earth, like we, see, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, I, I believe when we really look at factual science, not theory and science, but factual science, like the fingerprints of God are everywhere. We are not here by chance, amen? Right, you just see plainly that God is there. And we have to understand when we're giving the gospel, I don't know any other explanation better than the gospel of Jesus Christ found in the Bible that explains why we're here and where we're going, you study the Bible more and you'll see how astronomically wonderful it is. So when someone's, or they're just closed off to it and you're like, how can they not see it? This is where we pray. We pray more than we talk and we definitely don't argue. You cannot talk someone into heaven, so stop it. But you can pray for eyes to be open and for hearts to be softened. Proverbs twenty one two, all a man's way, ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. Apologetics, which explains why we believe what we believe, is super important, and it's a huge part of witnessing. But in this stage, Jesus is letting us know what is happening. There's a spiritual thing happening, and they say, and the enemy comes and just snatches it out of their heart. If they don't get it right away, they don't understand it right away for whatever reason, Jesus is letting us know that there is a supernatural thing happening and that the enemy comes and snatches it away. Those of us that are really, really, really smart, or you say, hey, man, I'm good at apologetics, I'm good at debating, this will be hard for you. This will be hard for you. This can be hard for me because I like to debate. Well, if I could just talk them into it. I have never talked anyone out of sin or into Jesus. Everything starts with the Holy Spirit. Blaise Pascal said this, people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs not on the basis of proof but on the basis of what they find attractive which is why they can also be misled. So we pray, Lord God, before we go out to do evangelism, before we go out to Ecuador here in a week and a half, Lord God, soften hearts, go before us. This is a humility and a belief in God that we must have and many times the church makes the same mistake. Man, we got plans, God. You're lucky to have us, God. Watch what we're gonna do right? Let's say in this stage, talk to someone, not at them. Answer questions that they have if you can. Listen to them. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and honor the honest questions that people have. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is moving. This is a heart thing more than anything, and only God can break those chains. Amen? Which is why we got to pray. And why we got to keep praying. So, we have Friday night prayer. So, I will pray in the back after this time, have a time of communion and just prayer time. If you have someone on your heart, like, man, if they just knew Jesus, I could just tell them the truth. Let's spend a lot of time in prayer first. The Spirit must go before us. The second seed, verse 20 and 21. And this is the seed that fell on the rocky places. It says, The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word. And at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. So this seed is super important for the church, right? God opens people's eyes. They're open to the gospel. It's with joy. They're like, oh my, I can be saved. I can be set free. This is awesome. And they come into the church. And as Americans... Westerners, this is where we fail. We want to see signs and wonders. We want to see the money flow. We want to see the church full, but we don't always want to do the work of discipleship. Because they have no root, it only lasts for a short time. And these are the people that you see. Man, I, man, I saw them go down the altar and I saw them say these words, and, and they were so happy for a couple months or a year, and then they said, see you later. This is why the church has to stop playing church and entertaining people and disciple those that want to be discipled. And friends, that is a two-way street. So ask yourself this morning, and this is what I ask myself as well, do I want to grow in Christ? And in the church, we're always tempted as leaders to entertain people. It's why what we try to do in our leadership here is like this needs to be an equipping service. As much as we can in house churches and small groups, equip the body to go out and do the work of the church. This can't be an entertaining thing. That's why, like in the beginning of the message, like this is worship, not entertainment. Right? This is someone speaking, like just like Jesus, he gets in a boat. The crowds are coming. He gets in a boat, gets on a platform where he can speak about the word of God. That's what we're doing here. Together, we're studying the word of God so we can be equipped to live out the gospel and share the love of Jesus. And in that, if we're not careful, people will come to joy, but we won't disciple them. And if you know discipleship, it's messy. Parents out there, is it easy raising your child? No. No. And it's the same thing with discipleship. People that come to Jesus are still learning about Jesus because you don't clean up before you come in. Jesus cleans you up. He sanctifies you, forgives you, and then you mature. And this is where the messy, beautiful work happens. Just like we wouldn't let go of our child. Like, oh, you, 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 you're not potty trained yet. Like, we're done with you. You're 10. You don't have a job. See you later. No. No, <laughs> we're like, okay, we're going to right. It's the same in the church. Young Christians do really silly things. Young Christians are also beautiful because they can be on fire for God, and our religious spirit will sometimes put that down. Discipleship is beautiful. So build up with the Word of God and in the Spirit of God, deep soil where we have a faith. We believe in the body of Christ, and we're living out and sharing the gospel. We see this in Ephesians three. 16 to 19. Turn there with me if you can. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being. And I want to stop right there. Believers, we have the Holy Spirit. We can only be strengthened by the Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We are sunk without the Holy Spirit. Amen? Verse 17, so that that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's why this stage is so, I'm not done with the fullness of God yet. Are you? I'm still growing. I'm I'm in my 40s, mid-40s now, and I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm like a teenager. Like, I still need to grow. May we have that just desire, like more of you, Lord. And this is where now in that stage too, someone's being discipled, where apologetics, apologetics is really important. Why do we believe what we believe? And discipleship, Tim Keller says this, discipleship is not an option. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must follow me. And this is that decision. This is why, like, I ask that, hey, do, do you want to grow? And it's a two-way street. A lot of people love some, 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 some things about Jesus that they like, but what about some of the things And if we've read through the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says some hard things. Like, if you want to find your life, you're going to have to lose it. The first would be last. Like, these are hard things. And as American, these are hard things. I give up my rights as I follow Jesus because he is king and he is good. And it's not an option to say, I'll only go so far. That's a lack of deep roots. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured us, poured out, his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Do you see a theme of the Holy Spirit? And so what Romans 5, 1 through 5 is talking about is we're going through stuff. And as you're disciple, like, oh, man, like, with joy, I, the Lord found me, and he saved me, and he cleansed me, I'm going to follow this God. And then discipleship happens, and then what happens as you walk with Jesus? Maybe you have your first stumble into sin. You're like, oh, I didn't think that was going to happen again. Or maybe someone in the church wronged you or you just went through some financial or relationship issues. You said, well, I thought everything was going to be like glorious on this end. And it's like, well, man told you that. God didn't tell you that. God said, things are going to be difficult, but I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And so perseverance and character and hope are built up for his glory and our benefit. Faith alone. Peace with God because of the gospel. Grace, an abundance of grace. Suffering produces perseverance, character, and hope, and love by the Holy Spirit. And this is where we must taste and see that he is good. In the United States, what we struggle with, this is our temptation, a lot of good things in the United States. I am proud to be a part of this country. But there's some things in this country that can also hinder us. Everything is just fast. Everything is just how I want it, when I want it. It's a fast food diet that's not good for you. I love fast food and would eat it every single day, right? I obviously have an issue with food. And I sometimes I want to be that way with the Lord, like, Lord, I don't want to take time with this person. I don't want to be discipled myself. Lord said, things, good things take time. And as you grow with the Lord and you're discipled, good things happen. We taste and see these good how many of us know who Elijah is from the Old Testament? Right. Elijah, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, this is kind of just a, a side thing. In 1 Kings chapter 18, we see Elijah taking on the prophets of Baal. You know the story, raise your hand. Right. And he's taking on the prophets of Baal, and this is an astronomical miracle that happens. He wipes them out, and these miracles are performed, and the whole nation says, We are going after God. And then an evil person comes after Elijah and he says, see you later. And what is this? This is perseverance and character being built up. It's called the counterpunch, right? Sometimes we know this as we grow in Jesus. And I've seen this happen in my life. I've seen this happen in other people's life. Your biggest victory, like the Lord is just with you and you're listening and then we put down our guards and you forget the enemy's doing a counterpunch. Raise your hand if you know what the counterpunch is. It happens in faith, doesn't it? And just like Elijah, what we do, we we put down our guard, and we go, oh, oh, everything's just great. Oh, what was that? It's a counterpunch. The enemy's really good at it, which is why we're to be on guard. It's why we're to pray for one another. Amen? And disciple people. You can't disciple by yourself. That's why we need the body of Christ. I can't, as a pastor, I can't disciple myself. I need the body of Christ with the different gifts that are in this body and in Springfield for encouragement, for sometimes rebuke and correction. It's not always easy, but it's absolutely worth it and beautiful. Amen? The third seed that Jesus talks about are the weeds and worries. Verse 22. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. So, the second seed is about, hey, they, need to, they just have no roots. Well, the third one, maybe they have roots. We're not, we're not exactly sure, but it seems like they're, they're, they're walking more with the Lord, and they're wanting to be discipled. But then something happens happens, and we really need to listen to this, because this is another thing that we struggle with in America. This is someone who knows the word and maybe even has some depth, but then what happens? Colossians 2, 6 through 8 says this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus, Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on the human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. Weeds and worries. What is God talking about here? What is Colossians talking about? This is where the heart starts to wander. This is an affection thing rather than a theology thing. And I don't know if if you've come across this maybe in your own life or even some of your friends' lives. This isn't about like what the Bible says. Now, the Bible, the word of God is depicted how I feel about it. This happens in relationships, husbands and wives. Honeymoon day, everyone is just like, this is great, we could live forever. And then somewhere down the line, you can't even stand them, right? You don't, even like, how, you don't like how they stir their coffee. Or maybe they don't like coffee and that annoys you, right? I mean, it's funny because it's so sad, but it's so true. Right? Death do us part isn't an option if you can't even get through a disagreement through breakfast. And that's, it's not a theology thing. It's not a factual thing. It's a heart thing. Well, I just don't love them anymore. Let's go back to the basics. God, turn our hearts towards you. God, you can redeem anything. God can re- redeem your walk with him. What King David said, give me a new heart, a new spirit. That King David was a really good sinner, like all of us. But he was a man after God's own heart because he believed in the regeneration power of God. In this third C, what you see is people are just like, we have to be careful, politics. Whether it be Trump or Biden, friends, seeing the church just get into things that are ungodly, and they're really good, well that side's bad, well that side's bad, that's not how we're supposed to be. We repent, we repent, and don't get caught in these philosophies. Whether you're reformed and conservative, or you're Pentecostal, there's itching ears in both camps. Jesus is telling them there's just something here too with finances, with wealth. Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters. Either will he, be, he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Is it wrong to have finances? No, not at all. But is it wrong to be in love with those finances and think that's your salvation and that's your safety net? Yes. It's unbiblical and it's an addiction. And unchecked, you will follow greed rather than God. Maybe you're someone that, that that's like, in, in America, it's not just people that have a lot that can be affected by greed, it's people that don't have a lot. I had a, a friend last year, as we talked about this same passage and talked about it's not wrong to have money. They rebuked me later on, They're like, how, did, how come you didn't tell people it was wrong for them to have money? I'm like, because it's not. It's the love of money. You cannot have money and be in love with it. Like, if I just get this, then life will be good. That's what Jesus is talking about here with that third seed. And that can happen in doctrine too. 2 Timothy 4.3. For the time will come when men will not put up a sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires... They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And guys, this, this, this is prophetic. This was during their time, and it's during our time, too. Every generation is like, oh, we've got more. No, every generation has itching ears. <laughs> All right, no one burst your bubble. All right, 2,000 years ago, they had really some big itching ears. We have it right now, too. And every camp struggles with it. I can, it's a temptation that the enemy knows. I want to make God in my image rather than we're made in his image. I want the Bible to say what I want it to say rather than what it says. And as a pastor and as I minister to people and disciple people, this is usually what happens. I just can't follow a God who, put it in the blank. I just can't follow a God. And the problem is you might in the Bible find, wait a minute, that God does this. He forgives people. He rebukes people. He loves people. He has all authority. He does not like sin whatsoever, but he is full of grace and redemption. But if you're not careful and it's a heart thing rather than God is sovereign thing, you'll have that blank, and this is as far as I'll go. And what I love about this from the first seed to the third seed, God is showing us evangelism and discipleship. He's also showing what can happen in our heart as well. Isn't God so good that he would tell us these things? He is so gracious. He is so good. He is so loving. Now the fourth seed, and this is the one that gets us excited, and this is the fruit and the good soil. Verse 23, But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. This is affection for God that is submitted to God. This is the seed of the gospel that fell on good soil, which is your heart, which is one that says, man, my heart is broken before the Lord, and I'm just going to let the Lord do what the Lord does. Then a promise happens along that journey, and it's a promised fruit, and I want to end in that today. First of all, I want to look at Galatians 5.16, so we kind of understand what's happening on from the first seed, to the second, to the third, and as we grow into the fourth. Galatians 5.16 from the Apostle Paul. So I say, live by the Spirit. See how we need the Holy Spirit? And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want but if you live by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So that's why we sometimes still stumble because there's the man nature, there's the sin nature, but then there's the Spirit of God living within us. We talked about King David earlier, King David who committed murder and adultery and cover-up. And the New Testament, through the lens of the gospel, says he's a man after God's own heart. See, deep roots don't let sin or failure get the final word. And you look back at King David And and you look at the at the psalm, all the psalms that he that he wrote, and he wrote most of those. It most of that was after he had sinned, and he's crying out to God. Why? Because he knows the heart of God, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not deny. King David wrote that. And for some of us, as we stumble, and we're like, where's the fruit of God? Deep roots, don't let sin or failure get the final word. They believe in the changing power of the gospel, and they center themselves in Christ. And you want to talk about maturity. That's one of the the things that all believers, man, that first time that you stumble and that you chose sin over your Savior in in a moment, in a season. You're like, oh, that. And this is where the church, this is why we don't come in as a sin police. It's also why we don't ignore sin. Right? We need to come in with the same truth and love that God has shown us. Right? That's very important from that first seed to that third seed now to the fourth seed. Because there's a belief system there. Like, oh, this, the gospel, did it run out on me? Well, if I believe that, then I don't believe in the gospel. Can God redeem me and transform me? Does, does sin have victory over my life? Well, according to the gospel, no, it doesn't. And this is where those deep roots And love for God, where your Savior will never leave you and forsake you as God matures you. And this is also how we're to look at other people through the lens of the gospel. It's something that the church, and we talk about it often here, the church should understand that the world will walk in sin until they know Jesus. And then there's a maturity level. This should be a place in our lives where people can be set free. This should be a hospital. Jesus came for the sick. The religious spirit will throw out those that are supposed to be here, which means the rest of us will just put on a mask and not come to the living waters of God. So there's there's a wrestling happening, right? You'll wrestle with it tomorrow, so will I. May the gospel win every single day. And I want to close on this in Galatians 5, to 26. for this is that good soil. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, husbands and wives, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus... Have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. This is an encouragement and also a rebuke to the church, which is us. Love. We're to walk in love. But we can't manufacture ourselves. But the Holy Spirit can change your heart. Joy and thankfulness. It's a really powerful thing against the attacks of the enemy. So much depression and anxiety. Satan wants to give us, but joy can come through the Spirit. God can change your perception by the Holy Spirit. Peace. Man, we talk about this all the time. The enemy loves to sell anxiety, and he wants to steal your peace, your patience from your relationships, to your career, to your children. God can give us patience. Kindness. Church has not been very kind the last couple years as a whole. We need the kindness of God. Goodness and faithfulness. Gentleness. Talk about gentleness. Self-control. A lot of addictions in this world. And I think it's good to get counseling on that and it's good to go through programs, but there is a promise of the Holy Spirit of self-control. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. As we close today, I have three questions. Number one, what is your, what is your heart condition right now? Something when church comes together Talk about sin and we talk about repentance. What's your heart condition right now? This is something I have to ask myself on a daily basis, and thankfully we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God, which allows us to kind of reflect that and see where we're at. I'm also thankful for the body of Christ. People that know me and have permission to say, Hey man, you seem like you know, the gifts of the Spirit are kind of lacking. And it's not out of judgment. When someone's walking in that way of truth and it's not judgment, it's crazy how it's received differently, right? When a good brother or sister in Christ can say, hey, this isn't condemnation. This is just encouragement, right? What is your heart condition right now? Is it calloused? Is it full of hope? Is it hardened? Seek the Lord on that. Number two, and this really goes together, is which seed best represents your walk with Jesus? This is also time for self-reflection. Does someone bring you here in your seed one? First time here? Okay, let's who's this Jesus he's talking about? Maybe you're for first seed one. Maybe it's first seed two, or you're new to Jesus and now you need to be discipled and anchored in. Why do you think the enemy attacks the church, the body of Christ? Because he knows that second seed is so important. And get people to hate the church that gives the enemy a foothold. In the third seed, the enemy's trying, he's like, can't steal your theology right now, but he can take your heart and you'll wander. We can pray through that. We can talk to that. Which seed best represents you? Or are you like, no, man, I'm seeing the fruit of God move. I'm seeing the fruit of God move. And how exciting is it when we see the fruit of God move in the individual and in the body? And the last question, is God calling you to a harvest, okay? And this one is an obvious one. We're all called to the harvest. So, like, yes, I am. I'm a believer. I'm called to the harvest. But there's a difference between being called and answering that call. And that's what we talked about last week. And that's really what we're talking about this week, too. There is a harvest. As terrible as COVID and some of the things that have happened the last couple years, you're like, oh, I've never seen a time in my life from high school students to college students to young and old where people are hungry for the word of God. There is a harvest. And we want to be one of the churches that say, Lord, yes, send me. So if you guys can stand, we are going to pray. And I encourage you just to seek the Lord today. There are people in the back. They'll have badges that say prayer team. They'd love to pray with you. And there's also communion in the back. We take it every week for those that want to. The first Wednesday of the month, starting back in September, we'll take that as a whole body. Today, those that want to, go back there, take it. It reminds us of the gospel. It's a biblical thing. Some of our house churches I love, they go and they take it together. There's nothing like being surrounded with other believers that reminding you of the working power of Jesus in your life. Amen. So let's seek Him and see what the Lord does today. Lord, Father, we just thank you for the invitation that we would come to you today. We are here for you and by you, each and every person. Well, we pray in Jesus' name that you would work on our hearts today, that you would open our eyes and our ears to your wonderful truth. Holy Spirit, you speak to us daily. Haley, open our eyes, open our hearts. If they are calloused, break our hearts. Break sin addiction by the power of the Lamb. Holy Spirit, have your way in us that we would be people of hope and redemption. For others, but also for ourselves. If we have stumbled, we can get back up because we trust you. You will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. May the gospel have deep roots in our lives where we believe in the word of God and the spirit of God and the second coming of Christ. For those of us older and younger, would we all have that same zeal? For you are not done with this church and you are not done with this people. Father, we want to be a part of the harvest and we want to see the church build up and sons and daughters come home. Father, have your way in us for your word never comes back void in Jesus name.